Welcome back to the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. I'm Chase Holden, joined by Dale Tanhart, and it is officially it's a big week. Martinsville is over. Shout out to Kyle Larson. He can tell time now. Got a clock. Uh, you bet on him, Dale. Congratulations. Uh, I hope that that made up for some of the atrocities of trucks. Yeah, I don't even want to hear congratulations. It was the the worst betting weekend I've ever had in my life on NASCAR. At, le- at least I'm pretty sure. At least I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I had I did have Kyle Larson early in the week outright and he closed he I had him at eight eight and a half to one and he closed at like 13 or 14 to one on some books after qualifying mm. so it made up I mean very very little I mean pennies on the dollar what it made up of what I lost because of that monstrosity that was the truck race that was pathetic disgraceful the way it was run was just it was just a shame it was just pure disgrace top to bottom on the truck race. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because I think I did give some thoughts on Twitter about it. But when it comes to the all caps, you were in all caps. You when it comes when it comes to the wet weather tires, that's gotta be a situation where you leave the door open because it's an experimental project. So instead of making a rule like before the race, setting it in stone, the only way these are going to be used is if it's not raining, if it's like kind of damp. Yeah. You can't set that rule before on an experimental project. Like I think you got to leave the door open because if you're experimenting, first time we've ever done it on an oval in the truck series, if it works when it's kind of wet, then you can leave the door open and say, okay, we'll try it in light rain. And turns out it did work in the damp weather. And drivers believed, I mean, to drivers and teams believed it would have worked with the rainfall that we had at the end of that race or when that, whenever they decided to call it. And I, I still believe, and that's one part of it. You know, I can live with NASCAR making a rule. Like I can live with NASCAR at least being black and white about these are what the tires are going to be used for. I don't like it, but I can live with that. The worst part about it all is it's almost like we've forgotten that this is supposed to be a race. This is supposed to be a competition. There are very, very just there are there are huge consequences that come from calling a race halfway through and i think the way that nascar handled this this weekend is this isn't a race this is just let's make it to the halfway point just so we don't have to work you know just so industry doesn't have to work as hard and stay late like isn't that what people signed up for when you work for nascar like work for as work for the teams when you sign up for moments like this like how is that any different like if they race until three in the morning or if they had to stay on Saturday and racing on Saturday, early Saturday after qualifying or before qualifying, how how is that any different than me working 60 hours a week at my last job as an auditor and then someone doesn't show up for work and I have to work all day Saturday now for 12 hours? How is that any different? Like I, I can't stand how they presented it on the broadcast talking like, yeah, it's just going to be a pain for you know, us to stay another day and run this series and you got to bring the cup teams in. Fuck that, dude. This is a legitimate championship, guys. This is this is something that has major implica- implications on drivers' careers, on drivers' wins and losses and top fives and top tens. So it's almost like in some of these situations when weather's in the area, it feels like we've lost track of, of realizing that this is supposed to be a race and a competition, not just a push to get it out of the way. 
And, and I hate that. I hate that precedent. I'm not saying that's what they did, but I'm saying as a fan, that's what it feels like. You know, so it screws over the fans, it screws over the drivers, it screws over everybody involved when you treat a race weekend like this. It, it was a waste of time, pure waste of time, pure disgrace. And I don't care how my bets went. You know, I call it, I won a shit ton of money at Texas when Carson Hosevar won. That was also a disgraceful race to the series. I lost everything on this one. Still disgraceful. It has nothing to do with bets. It purely has to do with this is supposed to be a competition and a race, not just a force. We're not just fucking forcing this. And, and that's what it feels like they did on Friday. Saturday was a good race. Lost all my money there too. And Sunday, I thought, even with the issue of or the inability to pass, I thought it was a compelling race as well. So that's where we can go from there. Yeah. So it sounds like you did have a lot to say about it. Um, yeah. Funny. I started that off with, I don't want to get into this too much. Was that, but that was less than five minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe, to... maybe I didn't keep a time. I don't really keep a timer on it, but you know, I'll listen. I'll listen. I understand. I understand the frustration. I'm, I'm fortunate that I was sick. I was uh, like really sick and I didn't even watch the race. It was like a rain delay was on. I fell asleep. So I didn't even really watch it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had set a DFS lineup and it did not do well. So, uh, and then I, I saw like the next day where you were like yelling on Twitter and then I saw where you used the parade reference, which I like because I think that's kind of what it was. It was like Martinsville girl. I didn't even get into that, dude. And yeah. that's just, that's not, that wasn't a Martinsville issue. That's been a, an issue all year long. It feels like in the truck series, like, we just run so many laps under caution. I just don't understand it. I will say there was a point after the last red flag when they lifted that red flag, they came out and they ran like maybe two laps under caution and then went to green. So that was good. That was like an improvement. But we're running way too many laps under caution, particularly in this series. I don't care what the circumstances are. We're, we're just really, really killing the spirit of competition and a lot of energy in this series that it's supposed to be a lot of fun. It's supposed to be a developmental series. It's supposed to matter. And it kind of feels like it kind of feels like it's not mattering as much anymore. And fans, fans will walk away and they won't come back over shit. Like we saw on Friday night. Well, when you look at truck racing, this is the, the thing that I think about, not just truck racing, but all the racing you're talking about the rain tires. It was like the first oval where we, we got the rain tires on and I think it would have been a lot smarter if, you know, they would have had some exhibition races. Maybe they look for some tracks, you know, like at some point during the year, maybe in the off season where you can get the guys together where, you know, some bad weather's coming in. You know what I mean? And like you get there, that, that could open up a lot of doors. You know, some people would want to watch that, you know, maybe do a pay-per-view. And that's where you get all that out the way, because I, I really respect what you're saying here, because I feel this way about it. When you're doing experimental things live in a in a live season where things matter, doesn't that kind of like offer a disadvantage or take away from the fact that these guys are actually competing to win a championship? You're just kind of like throwing it up for whatever. I feel like we should have had something laid down or maybe go find a way to to get these in without points being on the line. It's like practice races. You could do so much with that from a broadcast standpoint, entertainment standpoint, and then the guys really get to feel it out and see what it's all about. I think that would be a smart thing. Yeah, I think two of the last three weeks or last three races in the truck series, 
NASCAR has been very, very disrespectful to the truck series. If if I'm if I'm like a new fan trying to watch a truck race over the whether it was Texas, Bristol was whatever. I mean, Bristol was just a lot of just a lot of a, a lot of wrecks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but over the last three truck races, if I'm a new potential fan watching this, I, I, there's no way I can have any respect for the series. There's no way I could be having hardly any fun or any entertainment value given to me based on what I've watched. I mean, if you're seriously, and I, I want people to at, like tweet at me or, or ask in the discord, like, have you had any serious entertainment value from the truck series, whether it was Bristol, Richmond or Texas? I, I just feel like the majority would say no, it, or I'm sorry, not Richmond, uh, Martinsville. I feel like the majority of people would say no. I, I feel like the series is, has been neglected and I think that's a good point that you made. Like when you're using an experimental situation on a on a in a race in a series that has championship implications, like there should be other times we should experiment this and add something else to the equation if you want to have a race and have an experimental deal rather than use one of your top three series as an experiment. And if you are going to do that. Leave the door open, you know, leave the door open mid-race and and let drivers and teams give their input and then make more decisions, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I could go on and go way down some we, we don't annoying have, rabbit holes, and I don't want to do that. We don't have to. We, we do a lot of rabbit holes. This doesn't have to be one. I think it was well said. It was well put. Uh, you know, tweet, tweet at us. Make, make, make NASCAR apologize because we don't want no slander. In the Craftsman's Truck Series, they have toolboxes for trophies, and I think it's pretty cool. And At I- least we figured out that they kind of work. If there's any positives we can take away is that they were prepared to use them in cup in the rain, um, and, and they worked. You know, they worked okay. They had a lot of fall off. It was a, it it was potent potentially a fun tire they brought. So that's a positive we can take away. I agree there. Uh, so we'll they're really like Martinsville's race. Like people are already talking about, you know, how oh the, the passing this and that da da. It, you know, the fall race seemed like it was a little bit better, but I think that we can finally say that this is kind of what we're gonna get. And I'm I'm referring to the Cup race now, going in with the next gen car. Kyle Larson won. Congrats to Kyle. He got his clock. Joey Logano was running like dog do pretty much the whole day. He ended up finishing second, which was pretty crazy uh, in that Verizon 5G car. I hate Verizon. They have no service at my house. Uh, I wish they would fix that. I would <laughs> find a way to be in second. He, Usually that car is like super cursed too. So that was very surprising. Maybe that's a good sign that maybe maybe they'll finally fix the 5G towers in my town. You know, maybe Joey Logano will come to come down to Bogalusa. And he'll say, hey, guys, we finished second in Martinsville. We're going to give you some service. You know, have some sympathy for me. I want to be able to do content at my house um, and not have to drive up the road to post it. Are there so, a lot of bald people in Louisiana and Bogalusa? Uh, maybe, I mean, it's getting there. there too. Something in the water, dude. I mean, there's a paper mill here. I'm losing my hair, dude. It too might much have, meth dude. in the area? No, that's Biloxi. You got to leave that. That's in your neck of the woods. No, Biloxi's cocaine, dude. Biloxi's totally cocaine. Okay. I tried to buy cocaine in Biloxi like probably like 12 years ago, and a guy sold me meth straight up, and I dumped it out of the window. 
I was like, what is this, dude? I it was like, dude's was like, yeah, here's some coke, and it was fucking like orange crystals. I'm like, the fuck is this, dude? Is that what meth looks like? Is it orange? I think so. It was like this crystallized shit, like he gave me, and like I was like a dumb young twenty year old, like I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, this is not cocaine. I knew it wasn't cocaine. And then what's even more fucked up was later that night we found that same guy at a bar and he stole my dude's uh my dude's wallet. He just straight up stole his wallet, and went and bought a pair of boots. Like, dude, that dude, he was like that. That was a sneaky fox right there. We don't embrace those kind of people Mm-mm. on the coast of Mississippi. I'll go ahead and tell you that. And and I'll take that back. It was not Biloxi. It was Bay St. Louis. So to be a little more fair, I think there is a difference in, in the two. There's, There's a, a difference in the kind of people. There is a difference. <laughs> There's a big one. I, I love Bay St. Louis though. They've done a great job in their da- their downtown area. Uh, so good good job for those guys. But uh, but yeah. So off of that subject. Um, but yeah, Joey Logano finishing second and how that rounded out, like it kind of did resort back to a race off pit road. And that was how, that was kind of what we saw, you know, when we were watching this race last year, this time it was a race off pit road. I think that's what allowed Austin Dillon to, to, to get the position he did in last year's, uh, spring. Well, no, Austin Dillon could pass last year. He was just, he had a top five car like last year in this race was less about strategy. This race, um, you know, like I said, I thought it was compelling. I thought it was a good race given the circumstance of inability to pass, which we've seen that in all three Martinsville races since Gen 7 released. We've seen that in the Richmond races. I think there was an improvement, but like not much, not much. The, that's, But that is the good thing about these races is that it does give the element of strategy a bigger shine, right? Like, I like that. But I, I, but on the bad side, though, Denny said in his post-race interview, like Ryan Priest led the first 135, 140 laps. Shout out Priest, stage one, 10 to one. Can't believe Caesars gave us that. And but, qualifying, qualifying on Saturday. Yeah, 33 to one. Yeah, that's crazy, too. But, well, that that's Did more. We all hit that, by the way? Did we all hit that? I didn't. I didn't. But Dang. thirty the, the 30 to one's believable for a car that, I mean, Ryan Priest has never gotten a pole. 10 to 1 when you're starting P1 at a track where you can't pass is crazy. William Byron was starting eight and he was two and a half to one to win stage one. And he was a dud all day. And I'll get to that in a second. But the good part about it is like you can, yeah, it it enhances the level of strategy to improve track position and make race winning calls. But on the on the flip side, it's bad because Ryan Priest, who clearly had a good race car and could drive away from the field gets a speeding penalty and it takes him over 200 laps, like 230 laps to go from the end of the lead lap to finish 15th. That's bad. That is bad. That's bad racing. And there's no doubt about that in my mind. So we got to fix something with this gen seven. Obviously everybody wants to say horsepower. People complain about the tires, no fall off. Here's the thing about the tire deal. I can live with the tire deal because Goodyear's constantly making and changing tires week to week to, you know, week to week, month to month. That's been just a regular part of NASCAR in the past 30 years where drivers get out of the car and say, yep, tire had no fall off. It was hard to pass. We can change that on a whim. But what we can't change on a whim is horsepower, aerodynamics to, to allow more passing. So we've got to make some big changes with this car and we got to change them quick because like I said, Goodyear tires, we can change that shit on a whim compared to what we can change on the NASCAR. 
And this cup car, we could have for 10 to 15 years in this series. Yeah. We cannot have short track racing like this for the next 10 to 15 years. We cannot. It will hurt our sport so badly. We've got to add more horsepower. We've got to change something in the arrow. Uh, gear ratio is another topic. The shifting has been a problem. We've got to change something big to make sure our short track racing is not like this in the future. Hey, Dale. Hey, Dale. You, you want to know what else we apparently can't change? You want to know? What? What's uh, that? Calling a caution when a tire's on the track at the right time. Uh, we can't we can't find a way to change that either. Uh, yeah, I think Brad I think Brad Kozlowski would have won that race if they had called that caution when they when they supposed when they were supposed to. That was insane. I've already criticized NASCAR too much. I feel like, I mean that everybody can see that and just be like, "What the fuck?" Maybe they didn't see the tire. You know, I don't maybe, even know how to. Maybe we don't have to criticize NASCAR. Maybe maybe they shouldn't see it. I have no I have no elaboration for that point. You saw everybody saw it. It was <laughs> fucked. That's the reason that's the reason why Joey Logano finished second. That's the reason why Truex finished third. Yeah. And a lot of guys utilize strategy from dumb luck, you know. So hey, shout out to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. with a P eight. That's another top ten. I wish I would have took that that would would have been completely uh, probably a lucky play. Ricky, Ricky played the strategy, man. They, they, they saw the the hand that they were dealt, and they said, "Let's go." Um, Eric Amarola, he was pretty damn good all day, though. I, I got to give it to the Bacon Boy. Yeah, he, I mean, Penske was the the two that benefited from the tire, you know. Yeah, Ryan Blaney, P seven, man. From neither from, one of those guys <laughs> were running; they were running fifteenth to thirtieth all day. Blaney and and uh, Logano. It was rough. It was a rough time. Bubba Wallace held it down for P9. And then our guy Chase Elliott, back in action from Colorado, rounded out with the P10, got free fried pickles for the people at Hooters. And uh, it, it was cool to see him grind that out because Lord knows that dude grinded that top 10 out, bro. I was watching him up until like the last, like I think it was like 30 laps, just watching him go from like, I think he was in like P20 or P19. And he just was sawing him down, dude. So shout out to Chase. Yeah, he ran cl close to twentieth, twenty fifth, all day. And at the end, he was he was able to pass. He was, I mean, picking them off. Him and Truex at the end of that race were the fastest cars on the track, just yeah, picking people Alex off. Bowman, that stage one Alex Bowman. Uh, Man, that hurt. Yeah, I, I Bowman was Bowman was my no. I, I added Alex that morning. When I saw he was forty-five to one, mm. I was like, "Man, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna bet him to win top three and top five because this could be a big." You just, I felt like, you know, on Dale Center and and after qualifying, I was like, "This just, this is probably gonna be an unpredictable race." So if you're gonna put a Hendrick car at forty-five to one, who's a teammate of the guy that's supposedly gonna have the fastest car, which is William Byron, like, yeah, I'm gonna jump on that. I jumped on all of it and. Early, it looked great. I mean, dude, he was carving the field up, mm -hmm. and they just made the wrong they just made the wrong adjustments, and he was not good the rest of that race. And that leads me into William Byron. <laughs> the William Byron deal has to be, and I can't think of anything like in the Cup Series. This has to be the biggest flop of a favorite I've ever seen in the NASCAR Cup Series since I've been betting on the sport. I mean, he was closing at four to one, three and a half to one. And he was, he never even, other than where he started, which was eighth, 
I don't think Willie B ever even like sniffed the top 10. I mean, just crazy, dude. I cannot believe the day and night difference between what he showed in practice to how the race went. It's got to be the biggest betting flop I've ever seen in the NASCAR Cup Series. If you have anything else, let me know, because I can't even think of something in Cup that was that far off. Were you watching like like whenever they were cutting to him, how like he was just getting sucked in the middle of like the cars and they were just like banging up on him? Like, do you remember seeing a lot of those scenes when you were watching the race? Well, yeah, I mean that happened once. I, I know what you're talking about. Blaney got shifted up the track and came down, and he kind of well, got yeah, he kind of got pinballed. He he literally was the kid that was like you know it was like the nerd kid at your school that was like the water boy on the football field, and then like he got put in the push pit with all the jocks like and he was just all around just back and forth like that was him through the whole race dude because like i just that scene would never leave my head because like in the moment when i was watching it having it on the screen and i was just seeing him like oh oh like that's all i thought about in my brain just that kid getting like pushed around by like five people just like ha, ah, like that was him he was bullied he was bullied was at just, just yeah, it was just a bully just a bad day man i i'm uh, i was stunned just stunned at what happened with William Byron and, and just Hendrick Motorsports was not good other than, you know, Kyle Larson hung around, you know, he hung around top five ish most of the day. So you can validate that his win wasn't shocking, but I think Denny Hamlin had the best car. Um, Shout to Kevin, Kevin Harvick. Harvick. Yeah. Kevin I, I was Harvick. about to say had him Harvick but- was good. That hurt my heart, dude. Whenever he 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 lost that tire, dude. That tire went down, bro. I was sad, man, because I had him. I had him at like plus a thousand. I added him on race day. I also added Red Dog. Red Dog looked good in the lap averages. I was like, man, maybe he's ready to get that clock. You know, maybe he's ready to bring that clock home. Kevin Harvick only had one clock, dude. He won it like back in two thousand eleven, I think. You know, and he. I yeah, thought that was he a heartbreaker. One on the way out. Remember Jeff Gordon won on his way out. I was thinking like maybe this will correlate. Well, it's definitely money in the bank for the fall race. That, and this has been a bad track for Kevin Harvick over the past five to six years. I, I, I mentioned that a bunch this weekend. Was I can't bet Kevin because this has been one of his worst oval tracks on the circuit. So I felt pretty wrong early, but it wasn't just a Harvick deal; it was a Stuart Haas deal. I mean, their guys. Hung up front the whole race, except for Ryan Priest when he got his pit road speeding penalty. You mentioned Almirola earlier. This has not been a good a uh, good track for Tra- uh, Chase Briscoe either, really. And he hung around top five most of the day. So Stuart Haas clicked on something, dude. And they might come back here in the fall. And if one of those guys, like Al- not Almirola, but if Briscoe or Harvick are in championship contention, I would not be surprised if one of those two guys came out here and won. Yeah. I agree with you on that. And I think that I saw just the grit that they have with strategy and like Briscoe last year, like, cause when they were first starting this race, like chase isn't afraid to get up in somebody's ass. And I think that like, once you have that confidence, like even though he didn't take tires and he got passed last fall when Chris Bell won, it's like, you get that confidence from being up there. You're like, all right, I, I was so close. I think I know now what I need to do. And I think that collectively SHR might be a force to be reckoned with. So I agree with you on that. Um, but Kevin Harvick's one thing I want to say about Harvick, his nemesis is anything except a green flag run. Mm. If anything happens, cautions, pit stops, 
it is a nemesis to Kevin Harvick. It is insane seeing what's happened with, with Kevin over the past couple of years with cautions, tire problems when he's been in contention to win. So I hate that for Harvick, but he, we'll see him in victory lane at some point, I think. Yeah, maybe this weekend at Talladega. Who knows? That'd be crazy. I think he's only won that one one time, too. Some of these, like, one-time tracks. I feel like when you're in your retirement year, you're kind of looking back at your career, and you're like, man, what are some of these tracks that I've just been dog shit at my whole life? How can I find a way to, like, knock them out before I, like, roll out? And uh, so, hey, may- maybe that's some food for thought. Maybe maybe you should look at some of these these tracks that he hasn't been that great at. Maybe you should look at maybe, you know, sprinkle a little something down. You know, you might be crazy like me, but it might pay off. Who knows? But, yeah, he wants to run like the old days, dude. Green flag runs. That's what they're used to. Um, but going forward from there, uh, you know, it was cool seeing Kyle get the, the win, like I had said before, uh, well-deserved, and he's really on his way. I feel like he's kind of picked up his stride. Um, we didn't uh, really say much about Martin Truex Jr. Won't really say much about Martin Truex Jr. Uh, so I'm just going to continue from there. i got to say, I'm, I'm pretty pissed at his brother, Ryan. Yeah. We, and, you know, Ryan, Ryan's a friend of the show, but, man. I, I that was one of my big misses. I, I picked Ryan to win. He had great lap averages. I picked him to win in top three, and man, he just did not. He just was not there. A lot of people in the Discord have requested that I now put Ryan in prison with Martin. Well, and I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you guys that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It takes it takes years worth of pain for that to happen. We're trying to get Ryan on the show. Um, I missed I missed one of his messages. I need to I need to respond. We need to get him on the show then soon because it sounds like we have some uh some confrontation. Today. Well, he's gonna he's he's racing at Dega this weekend. He's back in the nineteen again. Okay. Finished, then he finished second at Atlanta. I mean, super speedway style racing. Who knows? I like confrontation. Um, I would love I would love to talk about it. So yeah, I'll I'll hit him up. And well, then- Ryan, I think he'd be okay. Ryan likes me. But yeah, I mean, we'll ha- I mean, if we get Ryan on the show, like we got to talk about Martin. We got to talk about prison. You know, Ryan. Ryan sure. loves us. Ryan. I think Ryan loves us. You know, I wouldn't say like. I think Ryan loves us. Uh, he's always yeah. got a great grin, great smile when we see him. So you know, uh, we'll definitely chat about it. We're we're gonna have a chat on it. My um, favorite shirt still this is the last thing I'll say. My favorite, one of my favorite modern NASCAR shirts that I have is still when he was. Uh, he was driving for Hattori in the 16 truck in the truck series, mm-hmm. and they just made this amazing fucking shirt with the grid I, background. No, no, it's um, I'll I'll tweet it. I don't even know how to describe. I I think it says it's like a poorly drawn version of the 16 truck, and it just says like Ryan, like oh. poorly fucking drawn. It's great. I'll, I'll I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it out. Yeah, I love it. Like- like one of those like life is good stick people shirts. Yeah, yes. I bought it, dude. I think I bought that bitch in like 2016, dude, or 2017. Damn. I had it for a long time. I'll I'll tweet it. I'll put it I on remember Twitter. When he had that marquee hot tub truck, bro. That was like the sexiest truck. I bought a shirt, a Ryan Trek shirt with that marquee hot tub. That was one of Harris Lou's designs. Yeah, that that was a good looking truck. Shout out to Harris. I need to find that shirt. It's somewhere. Um, but yeah, so we're going to move on from Martinsville now. Some odds have dropped for Talladega. Before we talk about that, there was a news story that came up. I don't read read much uh, from the uh, the NASCAR or Sports Business Journal, but that's where the guy Adam Stern writes for. He wrote an article that I thought was pretty interesting today. It was uh, titled, NASCAR's Race to Evolved. 
Faced with rising land values and shifting schedules, racetracks have no time to waste when it comes to making the most of their sprawling facilities. Big word guy. Um, so I was kind of going through here. Apparently, Pocono is growing weed around their track now. Did you hear what? that? No, I have not seen this. Oh, dude. So- I haven't been on Twitter much today. Monday's usually my kind of like my day off of social media. Okay, well, same for me. This is more of like I put my glasses on, you know, and pull out the Kindle and I want to read some articles, you know, try to really like get in touch with my age. Um, So I was reading. I saw I saw Travis tweeted about it at first and then I'm like, I got to go look at this and I open it up and I have never wanted to go to Pocono more in my life now. And and I also have to wonder what's going to happen when these plants mature around the track and you have like Pocono is apparently like a big party track. What's going to happen when these guys get just tore up guys and girls are tore up and like, everybody's just trying to go and like steal plants. Are they going to put like feds out there with AR 15s to guard the weed when people are there for race weekends trying to party? Like what's going to happen? This is is marijuana legal in Pennsylvania. First of all, I'm guessing it would be yes. I would hope so. Cause if not, they've got a lot to to figure out, but I'm sure you remember that a lot of these races that we've seen for in the past two years was like organic CBD, like three or 400 or something like that. Like that was like some of the, the, the sponsors were like CBD companies and stuff of Pocono. So there's just like so much land out there that they can just like grow this shit. And, and that just really adds on to, to the, uh, the travel list, I think to where it's just like, you just want to go out there. Like I would just want to go out for a race weekend and just cert surveillance, like the area to see if people try to go and just like, you know, burn a crop field down, going down a slippery slope, just it's marijuana today, a few years from now, it'll be cocaine. Then it'll be meth. Yeah, where next thing you know, opium. Everybody's next thing you know, fucking out there. New Hampshire will be like a a secret breeding ground for meth labs or start Pocono putting, or whatever. Start putting meth in the lobsters out there. Call it the Breaking Bad Five Hundred. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I mean, there's already a lot of a lot of like RVs. You know, it's hard to tell if you get a lot of them grouped together. You don't really know which one's cooking. You know, can't really tell. I guess the, the Jesse Pinkman 350 presented by AMC. Yeah, bitch. Like just comes out like, man, that was a great show, dude. I want to go watch that show. They also talked about great memes too. Anyway, you know, they talked about Indianapolis as well. And, and I think this kind of like goes into the area that, that you're fond with talking about how they're looking at the land around IMS and trying to make more entertainment venues around it as well and i know that you can relate to that heavily because you know a good bit about what's going down over there so i mean it's it's on paper now uh, on digital paper yeah i don't there, there's a lot going on i'm uh i'm a little concerned because the trailer park that i've been staying at for 13 years like footsteps from the racetrack has sold it has changed ownership apparently they don't whoever bought it which it wasn't Pinsky that bought it, which is good, but whoever bought it is not planning on destroying the trailers apparently, but we, you know, we'll see, we'll see. That could be a big, uh, that could be a big, a, a terrible de- development in my indie experience if that happens. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed there. But when it comes to Pinsky, he, I love Pinsky always trying to experiment with 
different ideas and different different ventures when it comes to bringing in more fans to their to the racetrack more events so i don't know that's that's interesting i'll have to read that article i don't want to talk too much because i really don't know the basis about it yeah that was just that was just me uh that was just me kind of summing it up as as much as possible there's a lot of information adam stern put in there though and it's about multiple tracks so definitely a good read if you're if you're into reading these days but let's go ahead and read something a little different let's read some odds out for the 2023 geico 500 i'm excited we're going to talladega this weekend uh we're going to be there shout out to everybody that will be there if you are there make sure that you tweet at us let us know that you're in the building if you're in the discord let us know that you're going to be there we're going to be out and about we want to see all the garage fam. We want to see just people going nuts, going crazy. I feel like this is going to be one of the craziest years yet. And I don't know why I feel that way, but it's in my gut. Do you have the same feeling? I don't. I oh, don't. it sucks. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be fun, though. I mean, it's always a good time. I just, I'll always mentally forever be spoiled about missing or not being able to go to Dega during the years that Dale Jr. was dominant and that Earnhardt was still alive. I bet those years were just unhinged like a motherfucker. You know, I got to see Dale Earnhardt race at Talladega. Uh, I will say that it was great. I got to see Bobby Labonte win a race there. I got to see Dale Jarrett win a race there. 1998, I was five. Saw, saw a pair of boobs on the way up there in the car. Uh, I was ruined at five years old, dude. So I'll never forget that. That was probably my most memorable Talladega trip that I ever had. Um, Bobby Labonte won a race at Dago. Yeah, dude. Sure. Bobby Labonte. Yeah. Bobby Labonte, 1998, bro. Check it out. That was uh, Dale, because Dale, Dale Earnhardt wrecked in that race. Because I remember he got in a little crashy crash. That was back when. Uh, I wonder if that was that horrific wreck he had where he broke his uh, like broke his sternum or had his mu- part of his mustache burned off. That was either 98 or 99. I can't remember. I mean, I didn't know much about it, dude. I was just really big into trying to buy die casts, and I just remember, like, you were shoulder to shoulder with people. Like, I got on my dad's shoulders, and, like, I remember just looking over to my left and just you – there was not an empty seat in the house. And they they didn't have the really tall grandstands, like, I don't think at that point, from what I can remember. Uh, they didn't make the towers yet. I don't know if they had added them on or not. It's, you're you, like, trying to remember, like, trying to really pull, like, a really good image – in my mind of like, like to try to make it as crystal clear as possible from being five years old is really hard. Yeah, um, I bet. Um, I, I experienced the shoulder to shoulder stuff in uh Oh five and Oh six, like Atlanta and Bristol. So I understand. Yeah. I understand. Oh, and Daytona. Oh God. Daytona was terrible. Cause it was so fucking hot shoulder to shoulder. That's whew. my family was miserable, miserable. My dad took me, both my brothers who hate NASCAR and my mom also doesn't care. And they just had the worst time. And me and my dad were, were having the best time up until I think Gordon and Junior both crashed. Talk about I, Daytona. But I just want to say this. If you ever wonder why I love Terry so much or why I love the Labonte brothers so much, uh, th- I didn't even remember this. But Bobby Labonte made the pass on Terry Labonte with two to go to win that race that was the first race that i ever went to that's crazy that's kind of cool that is kind of cool i know terry terry won i think in 97 at talladega i gotta go back and look at that 98 
I, I for some reason I don't have a a memory of even watching that old race, seeing Bobby Labonte. How did you? How old were you? Uh, well, I'm not saying at the time I was one years old, but I'm saying like I go back and watch old races all the time, and I almost feel like I have a pretty strong grasp on the majority of NASCAR races run since the mid '80s. Yeah, but I don't. That's one that. That's that's rare that you catch me being like, oh shit, I didn't know that Bobby Labonte won at Talladega. So okay. I'll have to go back and look at that. But you guys, we're focused on the future. All right, we're focused on Talladega of today at this moment. And like you said, betting odds have dropped. At this time, Barstool and Caesar Sportsbook have dropped odds. And let's just get right into what, what sticks out. Justin Hayward. Go- yep. I was going to... Uh, I was going to go there because I bet Justin Haley at every single super speedway. I think I'm going to pull the trigger at 60 to one. I think that's where he's going to open everywhere. If not 50 to one, he's moved to 50 to one on Caesars. I think Justin Haley, good super speedway racer guy was so dominant in the Xfinity series. Colleague has had a pretty terrible start to their season. This is the equalizer. Ladies and gentlemen, super speedway racing is the ultimate equalizer. And Going back to Atlanta, mini super speedway race, Justin Haley was going to be running like top three with 20 or 30 laps to go okay. if he hadn't gotten in that wreck where Kyle Larson and Al Marola came down. I think he got hit by Larson while he was running top five. So he's good at putting himself in positions. We're waiting on that more successful cup race, but he's like one of my auto bets on super speedways because you can always get him at such a cheap price. So I'll okay. go with Justin Haley. And then I'm going to go ahead and just say another auto bet, Ryan Blaney, every single time, 12 to 1, every single time I'm on it. There you go. Okay, that's not bad. I mean, I feel like those are pretty standard stuff here. Um, the the Blaney bet, I feel like Blaney owes us one probably now at Talladega. I mean, he, he can win here. He can do it. It could be the year. I feel like everybody's going to be there. I'm going to go in a little different direction. Right now, I'm kind of leaning over at uh, Austin Dillon, 35 to 1 on Cesar's sportsbook. Uh, I feel like Dylan has has really been pushing the pedal to the metal. Also, shout out to Paul Swan. They have two Garage Guy NFTs duct taped to the box every race now this year. And I feel like at Talladega, when you have Larry Mack with the cigar and you have the the Dale Earnhardt, you know, I've copied and pasted his face over that one dude that was like rubbing his hands behind the tree in the yellow suit. You got both of those on the box at Talladega where Austin Dillon has been doing pretty damn good super speedways rcr correlation there it is 2023 is it time for the three in 2023 i think it could be at 35 to one kind of like it yeah i think it's not a i like that bet i i I like 35 to one i would have expected more like 30 to 25 to one for him he's had some over the past few years, had some really strong runs at Super Speedways. Like you said, he won Daytona last fall, second at Dega a year ago this week, third in the 2021 Daytona 500. So, I mean, you're looking right at, at three Super Speedway races in the past three years, or not even three years yet. You're talking about three Super Speedway races in a span of 10 or 11 Super Speedway races since the beginning of 2021, where he's finished top three. That's that's a hard thing to do. That is a difficult thing to do. So I think no. Austin Dillon, Austin Dillon has an act for popping up at these super speedway races and 
the way this race turned out last year, I mean, he just flew up at the very end when Eric Jones and, and Kyle Larson kind of sprawled out going for the win and finished second to Ross Chastain. So I think Austin Dillon is a good bet at that price. And it's something I'm, I'm considering Austin Dillon's kind of always on my short list. You know, I feel like you kind of make a short list of eight to 10 guys when you get to these super speedways, not bad. If you, it's not the worst thing ever. If you bet eight to 10 guys, because you kind of can with the, the way the prices are and how crazy the race is. Also not bad though. If you narrow it down to four to six and Austin Dillon definitely makes that short list for me heading into the weekend qualifying not a big deal here yeah anybody can make their way up to the front at any time as long as they're as long as they're not dropped a cylinder or crashed guys anybody can win this race um and i'm gonna go with another auto guy and that's bubba wallace i think bubba wallace who who won his first career race here loves coming here it's his home track Always been a super good super speedway racer. Uh, no question above average super speedway guy. 20 to 1, I think, is, is a good price on him. I think Daytona 500, I got him at like 18 to 1. So you're getting a little bit better value at a track where he's been a little bit better at uh, with his win in 2021. Surprising, too. I figured we would have saw him at like 15 to 1. Usually yeah. you want to always put him up there. Like, and I feel like these books would have probably just thirst trapped on that, but to see him at 20 to one, like, I, I think that is great, honestly. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I mean, if you, if you watch the Dega race last year, he was there at the end and he just got, he got involved in that last wreck. So, um, I think I don't know what he did in the fall. I think he he didn't do as much in the fall race. The fall race was a different Talladega race, though. Yeah, we we went. It was very tame. Yeah, we went green. We went a lot of green flag laps. I feel like, I feel like there's just gonna for some reason I feel like there's gonna be more urgency. I feel like there's gonna be more urgency from guys knowing this is an equalizer who've had bad starts of their season. Like Austin Dillon's a good example of a guy that hasn't had the best start to his year. College racing with. Haley and Almondinger. Almondinger is on my short list to bet on too. I think everybody's expecting the road course win. AJ Almondinger is battling for the win of the Daytona 500. I mean, guy and, and the guy won Dega in the Xfinity Series last year. So, I think AJ Almondinger is a guy you got to keep on your radar when it comes to college racing and comes to how they've started their season. I think you got to focus on a lot of these teams that are going to be looking at this as an equalizer. And I think even Ryan Blaney fits that bold. I mean, what a frustrating year and a half it's been for Ryan Blaney since last year's Daytona 500, not winning a single race. Uh, I think Atlanta, he was in the picture, got a, a pit road speeding penalty, made his laps back up, still didn't win. Mm. Talk about Ryan Blaney. I didn't really mention much about him, but it is worth noting that he is one of the best super speedway racers in the field. And, a two-time Talladega winner, multi-time winner at Daytona, if you include dual races. The guys do. The guy is due for a super speedway win. And I say it on every fucking podcast <laughs> since 2021. Ryan Blaney is due for a super speedway win. So you got to consider him, Bubba Wallace. And my final auto bet is Brad Keselowski. I hate it now because the books definitely recognize something from Atlanta. They recognize how good he was in the Daytona 500, which is 
not surprising. It's something I would expect from Brad Kozlowski and their improved program at RFK. They may have had the two cars to beat at the Daytona 500. And if, you know, if that race had shaked out a little bit differently with the way the cautions fell towards the end, Brad K could have been a Daytona 500 champion. He's always there. And motherfucker gave it up at Atlanta on the final lap. And it still pains me that he did, but you got to consider the fact that he's probably going to be aggressive, going to be there at the end, going to be trying to lead laps, running up front, winning stages. I'll take Brad Keselowski at any price, dude. I'll take Brad K. I mean, any realistic price, right? Like most of the favorites are one. He's 16 to one on Barstool, 14 to one on Caesars. I want to wait and see what FanDuel produces. Like if we could get Brad K at 18 to one or better, like I'm going to, I'm going to be a happy man. Yeah, I was hoping for a 20 to 1. Most of the favorites you'll see are going to open up at 10 to 1 or 12 to 1 depending on the book. But Brad K, I I hoped when we were waiting for the odds to drop, I hoped that he would open at 20 to 1. So yeah, I think it is worth waiting. I don't think you're going to see Brad drop below 14 to 1. I don't think that's possible. So 16 to 1 I can live with. 14 to 1 I can live with. If you're scared, go ahead and grab the 16 to 1 when you hear this. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm willing to wait on DraftKings and FanDuel and see if they offer something slightly better on Brad K. So auto bets, that's all my auto bets there. Brad K, Ryan Blaney, Bubba Wallace, Justin Haley. And you know, I think AJ Allmendinger's on the short list. I think Eric Jones is on the short list, talking about another team that's had a brutal start to the season, no speed. Eric Jones, Noah Gragson, you got to consider those guys as well as AJ Allmendinger. Don't you? You want that pain, don't you? No, no. I I think if you look, look, you got to be. I'm I'm still a stats guy, and Eric Jones is always running up front in these races, and 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 more often Talladega than Daytona. So I I gotta you gotta have Eric Jones on your radar. He finished sixth in both races last year at Daga, and. I agree, and I and I and I get it. And, and look, you're right. I'm just saying, when are when are we gonna get the drivers to wreck out of Talladega bets? I feel like those would be amazing if we could have those. On. I know that would be so fun. That would be so fun. But you probably wouldn't be able to get probably wouldn't be able to get a good price on anything. I don't think you'd be able to get a good price. I think at half. I think sixty to seventy percent of the field would be minus odds. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That'd be something. That's something to note. Something to note. Maybe we can, uh, the more we try to talk to some of these book bookie books, try to figure something out here in the future. But no, I like everything that you're rolling with, man. I feel like this is going to be kind of a big conglomerate weekend for all of us. I'm definitely going to be, I love doing top tens, top fives at Talladega because we can get some longer odds sometimes. So, uh, so I'm definitely going to, going to, going to stick on that streak. Uh, I've still yet to lose uh a a top 10 bet each week so i'm doing pretty good there even though we we may you know be slowly you know dropping some units each weekend on my cards we're still cashing a top 10 bet each week and i'm proud of that bubba bubba has been the man for top 10s this year for me and i'm proud of him yeah keep an eye keep an eye on fanduel on tuesday night tuesday night fanduel is when it seems like they like to drop everything. And that's where they get, that's when the getting is good. Now, I think Fandle learned their lesson after what they did with Todd Gilland at Bristol a couple weeks ago, which mm. I was up and able to hop on. And a lot of people were able to grab 
anywhere from 14 to 1 to 10 to 1. Because last week the top 10 odds on FanDuel weren't near as near as spicy. So I think they may have learned their lesson in some way, shape, or form. But if you want a good the best potential for a good top 10 line, gotta be up late Tuesday night on FanDuel. That's the place to be. Amen there. Look, boys and girls, it's time to stack them chips. All right. It's time to stack the chips. I might I might try to see if we can find us a poker table somewhere in Talladega this weekend. I want to play some poker. It's been a while. Um, I want to have some fun. So, again, if you're staying in the infield at Talladega, let us know. Hit us up. The Discord, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you follow Garage Guys. You know where you can follow me, at Garage Guy Chase, on all social media. You know where you can follow Dale, at Dale Tanhart. It's our names. You can't confuse it. So find us and then collectively Garage Guys Racing and on Twitter it's Garage Guys FS. Um I've had I've had a good show. I'm excited. We're we're gonna be getting ready to roll out here at the end of the weekend. So again, let us know. Let us know who's gonna be there. We're ready. We're ready to see you. We're ready for Dega, baby. It's Dega Week.